So while these guys, while we're setting up, I'd love to have three volunteers, please, to come and check out this intriguing table that's over here. Got three wee stations, three volunteers. I'll take pity volunteers. Yeah, come on, Bruce. You can do it. Simon, are you a volunteer? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Jaden, do you want to be a volunteer? Come on. Okay. Oh, sorry. I'm not fully set up here. Let's put an apple on each. Is it? Oh, are you feeling a bit? Oh, we've got a fourth volunteer. Zolly, you're coming up. Wonderful. Should I just turn that off? Hello. Good. Sorry. Pushing buttons. I'm not meant to. Um, right. A little fun fact about me. I actually really love the show Taskmaster. I don't know if any of you have seen it. Unfortunately, like anything, it can be a bit crass with the jokes and the words. But I love the out-of-the-box creative thinking. So, right here on the table, I have a task. Simon, would you like to read the task out? Count how many seeds there are in this apple. You have one minute. Your time starts now. So go. You've got all the tools that you hopefully need. We've got um, no knives, but we do have a fork. We've got an ice cream scoop, and we've got... Water, stones, wet wipes to clean up at the end. Good work, guys. We're 20 seconds in. Oh, here we go. Loving that. Oh, okay. I might stand back over here now for this. <laughs> Zolly's got a good um, thing going with the spoons, counting them out one at a time. Uh, full disclosure, I forgot about prizes. Oh, have you got it, Zolly? He's got seven seeds in his apple. 16 seconds to go, Bruce and Simon. How many, what are we up to? Look at um, Zolly's apple. He's done a nice wee scoop out there. I'm not touching Simon's apple. Oh, how many seeds have you got? Eight. And, oh, Simon, have you stopped? I think that was my buzzer. Three. Three. Oh, uh, no, we can't, can't have a, um, I don't know, post-timing discount. Anyway, can't think of words. Great. That's wonderful. Thank you for that um, example. I'm sorry, I don't have prizes, but hopefully someone can grace you with a crunchy bar on your way out today. Sorry. <laughs> Still from the birthday crunchies. Well done, everybody. Oh, yeah, sorry, there are these wet wipes if you want to have a wee clean-up. <laughs> yeah, there's a few apples there if anyone's hungry. Come and have a wee munch. Um, so thank you. Thank you to my volunteers. That was fabulous. Um, Simon and Don, I love how when you guys speak, you've got great... Um, like object lessons, and you often inspire me. So I hope this is kind of what's started my inspiration today, that along with a quote that I heard a couple of weeks ago that's just been ruminating around in my head. And it's, you can count how many seeds are in an apple, but, can, but you can't count how many apples are in a seed. I'll say that again. You can count how many seeds are in an apple, 
Thank you guys for counting that. But you can't count how many apples are in a seed. I know there's quite a few of you who are ever gardeners and that you'll know that there's quite a process to go from one tiny little seed. Simon, why is your tray the first one <laughs> that you've spit out? <laughs> one oh, and the slippery. To having a, a big tree that's going to produce the fruit. Um, for apple seeds, I did a bit of Googling and you need to you know, have them all clean and um, if you want to bypass the whole winter dormancy process, you can pop them in the fridge in a damp cloth for six weeks and then plant them in, uh, in a wee pot, get your seedling. Tori, you probably know more than this, so I'm sorry if Google's wrong. But, um, and then you know, once you've got your seedling, you're planting it in your ground and you're watering it and you're fertilising it. But with all of that work and preparation, and giving the best conditions that we can for these little tiny seeds to grow, there is still hope and faith that we need to put in that's involved in that whole process, faith that the, that seed will produce fruit. So that is what is a part of faith, isn't it? Is that we um, have to be okay with the mystery of it. The mystery of the outcome of how many fruit are going to come out of that little seed. <coughs> Excuse me, sorry. Um, so, and when we're using that knowledge of going through the process of growing their plant and then seeing the produce, you're using that inf information, what you've learned again for, to apply it to the next season. And that's obviously literally with gardening and figuratively, figuratively in our lives as well. So um, let's read from Mark chapter 4, 3, verse 3 to 9. Sorry, apparently getting excited about apple seeds is thirsty work. <laughs> so um, here we go. This is Jesus speaking to a crowd and he's um, on a boat speaking to the crowd. And he says, listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. And as he scattered it across his field, some of the seed fell on a footpath and the birds came and ate it. Other seed fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plant soon wilted under the hot sun, and since it didn't have deep roots, it died. Other seed fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants, so they produced no grain. Still, other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they sprouted and grew and produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. Then he said, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. With the um, title of my sermon being uh, Seeds of Faith, I wanted to look at um, all the seeds that we are growing into um, our everyday lives of friendship. How do we know when we are preparing the soil to turn it into good ground? into fertile soil, as the um, NLT version says. So, um, and having that ground so that we know that the seeds will pr produce the 30, the 60, or even the 100 times as much. In this parable, the seed stays the same. It is the soil that is the variable and affects the outcome of the plant. And in the book of Ruth... Uh, telling us about Naomi and Ruth's friendship. It's a beautiful picture of how the seeds and soil of friendship grow beautiful, faithful, uh, faith, 
faithful-filled fruit. The story of Ruth is a beautiful story of redemption, and you can see the gospel woven in and out of each of the chapters. And um, I really would encourage you to read it. Today we're just going to look at the first chapter of it. A bit of background. Ruth comes out of... um, at the end of the judges period, right? So the Israelites have come out of Egypt and in the promised land. <clears throat> There's no king, so everyone is doing as they pleased. And this is resulting in an ongoing famine. So an Israelite man named Elimelech think, uh, packs up his family, his wife Naomi and his two sons, and they head off to Moab. Unfortunately... Elimelech dies, and so it's just Naomi and her two sons. And then um, those sons marry Moabite women, which is a big no-no with the Israelite law. So unfortunately, ten years later, those two sons die, leaving Naomi, who's already a widow, without her children and with no grandkids. Naomi hears um, how God is now blessing her homeland. The famine is breaking. So she decides to go back home. And even though there is nothing there for her, she's got no land left over there. She's got no family. She's going to go back home because basically she's destitute where she is in Moab. So let's pick up here from Ruth um, 1, 8 to 13. But on the way, Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back to your mother's homes, and may the Lord reward you with your kindness to your husbands and to me. May the Lord bless you with the security of another marriage. Then she kissed them goodbye, and they all broke down and wept. No, they said, we want to go with you to your people. But Naomi replied, Why should you go on with me? Can I give birth to other sons who could grow up to be your husbands? No, my daughters, return to your parents' homes, for I am too old to marry again. And even if it were possible, and I were to get married tonight and be a sons, then what? Would you wait for them to grow up and refuse to marry someone else? No, of course not, my daughters. These are th- things are far more bitter for me than for you, because the Lord himself has raised his fist against me. So, um, just out of this first chapter... Um, I've sort of pulled out three key things, really, that um, Naomi and Ruth show us for cultivating um, faith and friendship. And so the first thing is, in verse 8, is prayer. That's our first key. So um, Naomi has said um, that the Lord bless you, bless you for the kindness that he's shown to, that the girls have shown to Naomi and to um, her sons. Um, even though the situation is dire and um, Naomi is, you know, like bitter and she's ready to go, she um, is speaking out in prayer, praying for her daughters-in-law that she's just spent the last 10 years with. So what does prayer look like in our friendships, in our relationships, in our, our working friendships, um, family? Yeah, the all-encompassing relationships. Of course, um, if you're praying for your friends and co-workers and that that aren't Christians, it might be more in your private prayer time, behind closed doors, petitioning for them, uh, for them to meet Jesus, for opportunities for you to share your faith with them, or for God to be visibly moving in their lives. 
one thing that I've been able to do over the past couple of years is to be able to pray blessings at work. Thankfully, with the um, our commitment to biculturalism and having karakias, I always jump on the chance to have a karakia, and if there's not one ready, I'll, I'll chuck in my own blessing as well. So that's um, been a great way for me to, to do that. And um, a year ago, we had one of our co-workers who, who her son needed to go to Starship Hospital and um, have major brain surgery. So um, we were just like having a lovely, supportive farewell for her on her last day. And uh, I can't claim this. It wasn't my idea, but one of my co-workers said, Tara's going to pray a blessing for you. So there in front of all of my co-workers, I was able just to pray God's protection over her and her family, and especially her son, and for, um, yeah, the healing hands and, and those good things. Somehow, those group situations seem to be easier for me, whereas um, the challenge that I'm working on conquering at the moment is the individual prayer. Um, like when a friend is saying that they've got a, a sore back and they're just trying to make a physio appointment or the sore hip or, or even a cough or a cold. Uh, that's somehow that's a challenge to, to stop and think, can I pray for you? What about prayer with our Christian friends? Is this a natural part of doing life together for us? Or is it just reserved for special gatherings like today when we um, prayed for, for one another? Or in our connect groups when we're praying for people? Or even is it easier just doing it in the cafe lounge? Um, I felt challenged and actually even a little bit jealous, um, I'll admit, of some of the wonderful friendships that I've seen um, here in our church family over the years, the way that people do live life together and um, have commitment to studying the Bible together or the accountability or the, the families that have grown up together and had um, you just see all the adventures and their fun. So in that challenge, I began seeking God. Like, I, I knew I had good friendships, but I just wanted something like that deep, that consistency. And um, I, it wasn't long until that, that prayer was actually answered. And I had a couple of friends who were really just amiable acquaintances, really, here at church. So we began meeting um, once a week, doing um, studying books together, praying for each other. And that friendship just grew deeply. And I think all three of us will say in that season of meeting weekly and doing that, we all had a spiritual growth spurt. Um, we saw some amazing prayers answered, which included um, one of the friend's husband coming to know the Lord and also the birth of a um, happy, healthy baby boy. So prayer is essential for growing these seeds of faith. So back to Naomi, and she's had her rant, and we'll um, pick up the, um, the chapter again, verses 14 to 18. And again, they wept together, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung tightly to Naomi. Look, Naomi said to her, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and her gods. You should do the same. But Ruth replied, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die and there I will be buried. 
May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. When Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she said nothing more. So I know that's um, some scripture that we all know quite well. The second key that I see in um, this scripture is action. Both daughter-in-laws, Orpah and Ruth, are visibly upset at the fact that um, Naomi's telling them to go and that they have to leave their mother-in-law that they've just spent the last 10 years of their life with. Um, as they wept together, Orpah kissed Naomi goodbye and left. So clearly they both loved her, and but one of, um, one of them treated love as a noun and one of them treated love as a verb. And saying that, it always makes me think of the DC Talk, um, Love is a Verb song. And so talk about telling you my age without not telling you my age. Um, Orpa had a deep feeling of affection for Naomi. And although sad, she was practical and she was realistic about it. So she said goodbye and she left to go and she um, went back to her parents, um, to her homeland, to the security that she knew that was there. Whereas Ruth took the verb meaning of love and the act of caring and of giving to someone else. Ruth knew that forging on with Naomi was moving to a foreign land where she would have no friends, no family, no security, and she would even be hated and rejected for being a Moabite. Ruth's love mirrors God's love for us. He doesn't just have feelings for us, he acts, and he's, also, he's done the ultimate act in acting on them. Jesus left his home in heaven to come to a place where he, would, he knew that he would be hated and rejected. To, um, but that was all just to show us how great his love for us really is. How do your actions cultivate your friendships? At the end of lockdown last year, the wellbeing team at work that was newly formed got us all to do the love language test. And then um, we were all given a person and were told what their love language was and we had a week to do random acts of kindness to bless them, to fill up their cup. And the person that I was given is actually somebody who is a really good friend of mine. And I was actually surprised to find out that her love language was um, acts, of, acts of kindness. So it, it was a week of really thinking out of the box of how I could do acts of kindness for her um, over that week. Of course, I was blessed by um, the person who had me and filled my cup up. But what I actually remember from that week was the thinking and the actions that I did and the gratitude and the blessings that were received. There are so many ways here in our church family that people use their gifts in action. I don't know, some of you will remember when in the old auditorium when you walked in and you saw the words, welcome home. And I know that's a sentiment that we all feel here, that we all want people to feel welcome when they walk in our doors and to, to come in and join and be a part of our family. Some people are great at actioning it through talking to new people and some people are great at actioning it through connecting people to, to other people or to, um, to groups or different things. And others, again, are great with their hospitality and inviting people over for meals or to spend time in their family home. And I've definitely been there, happily on the reciprocating end of that. 
I have friends here who know exactly when to bless with quality time over dinner or some well-timed questions or friends um, who I've been inspired by in their intentionality of actually developing friendships, just seeing them purposefully um, work on their gifts or perhaps gifts that they don't see that they've had to be able to, um, to connect with people and to build into their lives. And I hope we've all got one of those friends that loves to send a well-timed text. I've got one of those from school. And every time she sends a text, it's at the right moment and a real pick-me-up. And it just gets me every time. Sometimes an action can be speaking out our faith. I was in Akaroa over New Year's with my family. And um, one morning, as you do, we indulged in a yummy trumpet ice cream for morning tea. And um, my little nephew, who is three, he's been on a journey of um, being allergic to nuts, eggs, and milk. Uh, over the last year or so, he um, has slowly had eggs and milk um, introduced back into his diet successfully to the point where he can happily ask for um, and receive the odd ice cream as a treat. So as we were all finishing our yummy ice cream, I was um, thinking that, you know, the great part of the satisfaction of a trumpet is the yummy crust of chocolate and, and crushed peanuts at the top. Peanuts. So I turned to my brother and I was like, did you scrape the peanuts off the top of his ice cream? And then the sheer look of panic that just dropped over his face to react was the same as the panic I was feeling inside. It's been a while since he's had nuts, and so obviously knowing the allergy to the milk and the dairy's lessening, we weren't sure what it was going to be like. So it's almost like a waiting game. Waiting with hope, but then declaration. It was almost as soon as that panic overwhelmed me, then the words just came, and I was just like, um, you know, like, I can't even, I wrote them down, but now I can't say them out loud, uh, that he would be healed. And that he would be fine. I don't know why. And much to our um, gratitude and amazement, there wasn't a single reaction. Two weeks later, he um, had an appointment that he was already scheduled at the hospital to do the whole prep test for the allergies or however that all goes. And he's fine with um, milk and eggs, which is great, but he's still getting quite a bad reaction to peanuts two weeks after that fact. So, praise the Lord. At the time, I didn't, even though the words came quick, I didn't actually really have a full conviction that what I was saying was, you know, like I was sort of asking, where is the um, antihistamine and those sorts of things? And it was almost like fingers crossed that it was going to happen. But um, we spoke out and God um, showed up in blessing. He followed through on that seed of faith. The third and final key that I have is constancy. Or in other words, um, faithfulness, steadfastness, loyalty, dedication. Um, let's go back to Ruth's reply to Naomi. When she says, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. 
Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. As I mentioned earlier, Ruth is not just showing great love to Naomi in her words here and um, great loyalty and steadfastness, but she is also showing great faith in a God that she has only seen in the lives of her um, family, her imperfect family that has moved away from the promised land um, over the last 10 years. Ruth... um, Ruth saw Naomi lose everything. She hears her bitter words. She, um, a, few, a few verses later, Naomi is even saying that she's changing her name from meaning, Naomi meaning pleasantness to Mara meaning bitterness. So that's where Naomi's at right now. But um, even though she sees uh, and hears all of these things with Naomi, she also sees Naomi is taking action of moving back towards God, moving back to her promised land. Even though Ruth has spent the last 10 years with Naomi, and Naomi and her family may have been a broken and imperfect example of living out faith with God, she has still seen that faith be lived out and lived out through the grief of her husband, through the grief of losing her sons, through the grief of not having any means to live by not having male members in the family. This example of emotional turmoil and hardship but loyal faith is what Ruth is choosing when she expresses her own extraordinary faith in God by saying, your God will be my God. What does our constancy with God look like? Even in times of turmoil and grief, uncertainty towards God, does it still point to his gentleness? Does it still point to his goodness, to his grace, and to his mercy? This has challenged me as well, especially... I don't know about you, but I like to have little woe is me moments or pity parties, whether they're deserved or not. You sort of have them, don't you? But, um, you know, if I'm having that around my, especially around my non-Christian friends, what is that uh, cultivating? And as Naomi has shown, though, she still had those pity parties, but the rest of her life was still in a constant state of loyalty and steadfastness to God. This is just the beginning of Ruth and Naomi's journey. There are three more chapters of God's provision, of his grace, of his redemption, and ultimately of Ruth being a part of the lineage of of Jesus Christ. So I don't think Naomi knew the seeds of faith that she planted. I'll go back to my little apple seed here. I don't think she knew that the seeds of faith that she planted and cultivated through her prayers, through her actions, and through her steadfast faith would be producing that much fruit. As the um, bean comes up, I've just got a few more thoughts to add. Whether you feel like you have a little or a lot to give, friendships are really important ground for us, for our faith to grow, or just faith in general to grow, whether it's our own faith through um, the friendships we have with like-minded people 
or whether it's the faith of our friends and our family and our co-workers as we um, use the tools that, um, or the keys that Ruth and Naomi have shown us. I pray that there's intentionality in our friendships, that we're not just going through the motions, but that we're aware of seasons through the cultivating of the fruit. Going back to that apple seed, dormancy or winter is okay. It's okay. Like Naomi, she might have had 10 years of dormancy and not seeing fruit in the lives of, of the people around her. But still use the tools we have to support our seeds of faith to grow strong and to grow plentiful. I know that we'll also be at different stages in the friendships and the relationships that we have. And as we um, begin to worship, it might be um, a nice time that we can just check in with God and ask him and check in where we're at with our friendships. Maybe it's about asking if um, to show you how you could have more intentionality in your friendships. Maybe you're like I was a couple of years ago and just really seeking those kindred friendships where you can, um, you can grow together and, and feel safe in that accountability and the permission that you're giving to those friends. You're just longing for um, deeper connection and deeper, um, like a bigger community. Maybe it's about being bold and taking action and standing up in what we believe in, speaking out God's truth and declaring his nature and his love. Yeah, thank you. I think that's...